0: everybody. Welcome to episode 329 of the App Percussion podcast. Hosting again is what is voted by the fans as I think the number one host. Uh, this is Kayla Pickering. We're a little short staffed today but we have the OG in the house. We have Casey Cangelosi joining us. How's it going Casey? Hey what's up buddy? It's, uh,
1: it's just us and you know I, I knew this like you're a big shot Sabian guy and I know this is going to be a sabian episode so i made a special background oh good for you there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: good that's good, that's good joke. I, I, oh. I, spent,
1: I was late to the call because i was making this for you and mark
0: so anyway i'm just <laughs> gonna wear that oh yeah just leave that uh that's solid we're, we're starting wars um looks good too Isn't like
1: really really good uh photoshop slash word doc editing
0: yeah yeah thank that's you. solid that's solid computer skills thank if you're you, thank you. it's, good. it's
1: good to be back
0: yeah if you're not watching the video Casey just has a bunch of Zildjian logos in his zoom window behind him so oh yeah.
1: thanks for awesome. being honest I thought you were gonna say Casey has a bunch of oh, something yeah. up, so yeah. just say <laughs> something in a place all
0: right uh, well hey for today's history we were we ran out of jokes with this one with uh the quizzes but Today is uh, releasing on May 19th. This was actually the day in 1999 where James Blades uh, died. Uh, So I know that name comes up a whole lot for percussionists, especially his book, um, Percussion Instruments and Their History. But I kind of realized when I was looking into it, I didn't know a ton about Blades in general. I just know his book and kind of who he was. But just a little bit of background on Blades. Um, this is from his write-up in the New York Times when he passed away in 99, a little excerpt, but he is said to have received his first musical training from his uncle, who his musicianship was found by just beating knives and forks on the dinner table and cups and spoons and plates and whatnot. So that's where he got started. And then when he was 14, he joined an England circus where he played bass drum with attached cymbal for a dancing elephant act. Um, pretty interesting. And later he began performing in local bands you know kind of how we all do and he actually dropped a very prestigious apprenticeship in engineering to pursue percussion and music he spent most of the 1920s working in movie theaters for silent films you know doing gunshots and rain effects and all the the sound effects that were played live with these silent films Uh, in 1932 he actually joined the london film society orchestra and was sought after by a lot of symphonies both in the US and or both in Britain and the US because he was born in England Uh, but Blades joined the London Symphony Orchestra in the 40s and kept moonlighting. Uh, After World War II, uh, Blades was invited to join the Coronation Orchestra at Westminster Abbey and in 54 he started started as the Professor of Percussion at the Royal Academy of Music Um, and it's kind of interesting I didn't know this about him specifically he also lectured Often working with disabled children, where he put his engineering skills to, do, uh, to use, where he would make special percussion instruments and implements that could be used by um, children with disabilities, uh, most notably one uh, for quadriple- uh, quadriplegics that could be played with the mouth without having to know do anything too awkward. Uh, he retired from public performances in the 70s. Uh, with the exception of some premieres by Benjamin Britten, especially his opera Death in Venice. And if you didn't know, Blaze and Benjamin Britten were very, very close um, working together on basically all of Britten's premieres in his opera and his percussion writing. Uh, He had some major students that I did not know about, uh, including Dame Evelyn Glennie, who was on the show. Uh, Simon Rattle was a student of his. Um, Simon Rattle's not a percussionist by trade, but he did study with Um, James Blades. And then uh, Carl Palmer. Do either of y'all know who Carl Palmer is? Mark does. Yeah,
2: Yeah, he was the drummer for Asia.
0: Yeah, for Asia. Um, Yeah, only time will tell um, if you remember that that old tune from the, I guess, uh, 80s. Um, And most importantly, the thing he said that was his biggest achievement and the thing he was most proud of was during World War II... He was the person that played the V for victory in Morse code, you know, the, the Beethoven. But at the time, he didn't have timpani to play it on because they, the metal, I assume, was repurposed for the war efforts and they couldn't get it to the studio as well. Uh, so he played it on tenor and snare drums or muted tom-toms with timpani mallets. And he was quoted as saying, that was the greatest noise I ever made. Hmm. So, yeah. a little bit about James Blades. Um, Somebody I realized, I mean, I have his book. I was one of the lucky people that I can't remember who it was that did the price, the mispriced uh, James Blades book a long time ago. I can't remember what it was, but they like left a decimal out or they like left a digit off the price and people started buying them up real quick. Um, So I I got this one for like 50 bucks or something. I think between, yeah, there was
1: some episodes ago, we talked about the the book and it's, you know, how it's hard to get now and how they go on Amazon used for $200 and all that, but also how you can get the PDF version now. Yeah. Norm Weinberg's that media. $15. And it's really cool. Uh, The PDF version is really cool because you can, of course, control find, you know, just search the whole book for anything and 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 you'll find it anytime a composer's name comes up any instrument or whatever it's super super handy dandy but yeah it's cool between uh my predecessor bill rice between his collection i brought my own book there and i believe the school just had a copy i've got three three hard copies but of course the pdf is just so handy i I bought the pdf as well
0: yeah for sure um it's also may 19th is five days before the birth date of someone who I think is really probably the most percussion important percussionist of the 21st century. Um, I'm just kidding. That's my birthday is on the 24th. I'm just being pretentious. Um, it's a big <laughs> deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing nothing for it. It's great. Um, hey, so today's <laughs> guest. Yeah, you're working. Yeah, yeah you. I'm working. <laughs> today's guest is Mark Reynolds. Mark is the director of sales and education at Sabian. He has an extensive teaching career that spans almost 30 years. He served as percussion director of Ohio State University Marching Band, where he still works and has designed and written for many top US high school marching bands, indoor ensembles and college groups. His music design and teaching has led multiple indoor drumlines to world championships, medals and finals performances. Uh, In 2001, he was at Columbus Pro Percussion as an educational sales specialist and also served in the past as a product manager for Promark before moving on to be the VP of sales and marketing for DEG Dynasty. After nine years with Dynasty, he took the position of school B&O educational sales specialist at Reddick Music Incorporated, where he was focused on education and sales for school and university music programs across the state. And now he is at Sabian as, like I said, big boss of all things education and director of sales so chances are i feel like if you if you've bought something from any of those companies or places in the past few decades you probably secondhandly dealt with mark in some way even if you didn't know it but uh hey mark well, that's how's it that's going?
2: pretty that's it's going great that's pretty impressive you may know more than my wife about my uh, bio <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for jumping in and, and uh, hanging out with us. That's <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so, hey, Mark, so you've been working with the Ohio State University drumline for some time. And in the past few years, you've stepped into your role at Sabian, of course. Can you kind of walk us through a little bit of how you got into the industry side of thing, especially, I mean, you're not just some schmuck at sabian you're the director of sales and education how did you kind of get from the industry side up to where you are now
2: well you know it's pretty interesting i started like i think a lot of a lot of people do in the industry um you know i had a had a wonderful high school um you know kind of career you know playing percussion i started when i was six years old and you know pretty similar to what you were just talking about blades you know just playing on pots and pans and my mom and dad took me to um to the local music store and said we need to get some energy out and i started playing drums and haven't stopped since and um so i was pretty lucky i had a wonderful high school band director um if you ever have heard of the the composer for band and wind ensembles uh jim swearingen um he was he was actually my band director in high school and um and he had a just a huge presence in my life, and and I was not the best kid, um, you know. My uh, my mom and dad, you know, were awesome, you know, growing up, and they were extremely supportive. But I was also a little bit uh, of of rough <laughs> around the edges, and uh, and he he tells me now, all these years later, he says, you know, you have no idea how many times I almost kicked you out of band, um, but he told me he said. He said, you know, Mark, he said, you know, always remember this in your career, that there are some kids that need band, you know, and and you were one of those kids that needed band for sure. And I'm super grateful for that opportunity. So what happened was, you know, I was a pretty good percussionist and, um, you know, just kind of thought, I want to be like him, you know, I want to I be a band director. So um, I actually went to the University of Akron my first year um, out of high school because I, I had a teacher that went there. I loved the steel ensemble uh, that Dr. Snyder had there, and I really wanted to be a part of that. So I went up there and I was there for a, a, only a year um, and realized I got my butt kicked <laughs> pretty hard. Um, you know, it, it was it was the typical example of like the small fish in a bit, you know, in a, or a big fish in a little pond. And uh, I went up there and realized, man, there's some real players up here. And um, so the the interesting story about that is, I got so frustrated that I came back in the in the spring after the semester, and I told my mom and dad I wasn't going to go back to school. I was done, and I'm just going to get a job and I'm going to do something. And my dad, now knowing what 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 he was doing, he worked construction all his life. And my dad said, you know, okay, that's fine, you know, but you're gonna you're gonna work and you're gonna make a living. So I'll get you a job with my company. And we're gonna do that. So I said, "Yeah, that's great." You know, and I think I was making like sixteen dollars an hour, nineteen eighty nine. Like that was a lot of money. And I was like, "Yeah, this is what I'm gonna do." And I'll just I'll work construction like my dad. And I'm not a big fan of manual labor. <laughs> and about a, I'd say probably about a month into it, um, I was getting pretty frustrated. You know, like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life about that time, Jim Swearingen called me and said, hey, I heard you were back in town. And I said, yeah. And he said, hey, there's a local marching band that that needs a percussion instructor. You know, are you going to school? And I said, no, I don't think I'm going back. And But I'll teach the drum line. And he said, no, you know, if you're not going to school, I don't want you, you know, working with kids. And he said, why don't you go back to school? So we had a discussion and um, come to find out, I ended up being the percussion instructor at that school. And they ended up Um, basically with that money, I was able to kind of go back to school and that's when I transferred to Ohio state, um, in 1990. And then I had Dr. Moore. Uh, I'm sure we all remember Dr. Moore from Permis publications. Um, he was just a wonderful man. I had him for one year and I was, I was at Ohio state at that weird time where, you know, Jim was there and I had him for one year and then they went on a search and they, didn't find anybody, so then there was a, a PhD student, a guy named Tim Sibbles, who was super influential in my life, um, came on board and said, "Well, hey, I'll just run the program." And I said, "You know, yeah, this is going to be great." And we kind of thought he was going to get the job. And then the third year, they did a search, and I can't remember who the third person was at that time. I was I was in the wind ensemble, and and. Um, I went to school with Mark Beery, if you guys know Mark, that's um, at, uh, I think he's at Northern Kentucky University. And, um, you know, they asked Mark and I to kind of do some lessons with the candidates. And we said, yeah. And I can't remember who the third candidate was, but the one of the candidates was Larry Captain and the other one was Tim Adams. And Tim came in and, you know, everybody loved Tim. And, you know, everything was, everything was great. Everybody loved Larry. Everything was awesome. Um, And then about a week and a half later, they said, Hey, we've got one more person that, you know, if you guys can do a lesson with, and they brought in Fernando Meza and everybody just kind of fell in love with Fernando. And I loved his energy and and his passion. And uh, he ended up getting the job and he was only there for a couple of years. And, um, and then ended up going to Minnesota, um, you know, after I was already finished with all my percussion study stuff and everything. So uh, I went, you know, left Ohio State and was actually a band director, <laughs> music educator at a high school in Columbus. Um, you missed that one, Caleb, on your little stocking. Um, <laughs> but I, I taught at uh, Westerville North High School and was there for about eight years. And this is where it gets to that typical, like, how did I get into the industry? I love teaching and I was super passionate about it, but I didn't necessarily love like teaching second jazz band. I didn't necessarily love the day to day. And at that time I was already teaching a lot of drum lines and I was already writing and doing a bunch of stuff. Um, So at that time, I think it was 1997 or 98, I was teaching and um, we started a drum corps here in Columbus um called um capital regiment and uh, the guy approached me and said hey i want you to be the you know the, the caption head and i said man it's probably not a good thing to start you know a drum corps you know right away like we should do an indoor drum line you know this wgi thing is starting to take off and um and at that time i was doing high school stuff like pas indoor drumline stuff with them and um and this wgi thing started like coming on everybody's radar for drumline. And I said, man, we should do something like that. So um, I started, started the indoor drum line at Capital Regiment. We came out the first year in 97 in Independent World. Um, second year in 98, we medaled and we're third. And then we decided that you know it was time to do the drum corps. And uh, you know, so the, the drum corps came out. I kind of got a real taste for that, was teaching a lot, um, doing a lot of things. And I finally realized in 99 after my first son was born, I was like, I don't know that I want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, I love teaching, but I don't know that I love teaching, you, you know, this. So, um, so my wife said, All right, awesome. What are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And at that time, my one of my old drum set teachers was a guy named Bob Bridehop, um, who was at Capitol University for a long time. I took lessons from Bob when I was 14. Um, Jim Swarajan called him and said, Hey, I got this really great drum set player, but he has. No jazz skills. Like, can you help him? You know. So Bob called me, and said, um, you know, you know, hey, let's let's try to get this kind of figured out. And uh, I am part owner of Columbus Percussion. Why don't you come and see what you think about helping us? And I said, well, I'm not a sales guy. And he said, no, you'd be great helping helping you know percussion educators. You could still write your music and, and compose and teach. And I said, okay and I absolutely fell in love with it. After that first year, like helping helping music educators um, that aren't percussionists is a huge passion of mine, you know? And, you know, I started to realize real fast that like, you know, I knew a lot about percussion, but like 90% of the people that called me had no idea like what a decent tambourine was or what a decent pair of, you know, triangle strikers was or whatever so i loved trying to help them and guide them and and you know get get the right thing so i was there for about two or three years um at that time i was a promark endorser um and played promark and i had a couple groups that had won wgi world championships at that time and and they said hey have you ever thought about this side of the industry and i said no and um they said well why don't you come to houston and see what you think so my wife and I had just built a house in Columbus, like two years before that. My boys were five and I think two years old. And once again, my wife, who is awesome, said, let's do it. So we picked up the boys and moved to Houston, Texas. And, um, you know, I worked for Promark. I loved it there. That's when Maury Brockstein owned it. This was, I think, in 2003. And um, absolutely loved my time there. Stacy Stokes was a huge, um, you, you know, Person, you know that I could that I really leaned on and learned a lot from the industry. There was another guy named Pat Brown, um, who was just incredibly, you know, helpful to me. And I really thought, like, this is it. Like, I'm going to stay at ProMark. Like, this is awesome. And honestly, I was there ten months, and I got the offer to move to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, um, to take the job with Dynasty, which was at that time was just a product manager position. Um, I kind of helped. Dynasty, um, you know, along with some of their synthetic marimbas that they were doing. I'm I'm a marimba player, and I love it. And, you know, we kind of went through that whole situation to try to make, a, you know, a great sounding synthetic instrument. And um, so they called and said, hey, would you like to move up here? And so we did. And I tell people all the time, if my wife didn't divorce me after moving, you know, her and the two kids from Columbus to Houston up to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin in 10 months, like I'm probably pretty good. So then, so that's how I got into the industry was actually being a teacher um, and then realizing, I I love teaching, but I don't know this is for me. And then trying to figure out like, okay, what's the next step and being able to pivot. And I think that's really important for a lot of kids to understand that are leaving high school and going to college or graduating college and going into their professional life I think so many kids now are so pressured in high school to like, well, you got to make up your mind. You got to make this decision. Like, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to be, are you going to be a performance major? Are you going to be a education major? Like, you know, engineer, are you going to do marching band? They're pressured at such an early age to figure it out. And I've always told my boys in the last 30 years, I've had seven different jobs in 30 years that I absolutely love. And, I wouldn't be here at Sabian right now if it wasn't for, like, all those avenues that I took a chance to, like, go, well, let's try it, you know. And, and at sometimes, you know, I, I just feel like the old adage, like, you have to bet on yourself kind of comes into play. So that's how I got into the industry and, you know, eventually made it to Sabian.
1: One of the best things uh, my parents ever told me was, hey, you know, you don't have to go to college. And that was such a like relief, you know, and for some reason yeah. that, that made the choice of going to college a lot more meaningful and a lot, a lot easier, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree, it seems like we're definitely in a, hey, everyone goes to college kind of culture and it, it really seems like, I, I don't know, yeah, it doesn't seem like it does a lot of people, uh, a lot of good, you know um especially as in uh, and, and in music especially you know something that uh the one thing if we're all going to be doctors and dentists but um that's not what uh that's not what we want to do
2: yeah and and you know Casey it's an interesting point because you know I, I i do agree that like we live in this culture of like you have to go to college if you want to be somebody um but i also think Casey it starts before that like i mean there are so many counselors in high school that try to talk kids out of being a band you know my son uh, my oldest son who um, plays in the marching band at Ohio State he's been a fourth year bottom bass drummer for us um, and hopefully his last year he'll be he'll make it again but um, he didn't start playing percussion until he was in eighth grade when we moved back to Columbus Um, he came home from you know my wife was signing him up for school and he said hey dad I joined band and I'm thinking oh my gosh like you don't just start band And he goes, ah, it's cool. Mom said you'd catch me up. And I was like, okay. Um, So I I tried to teach him, I think maybe once or twice, a private lesson, we are too much alike and we butt butted heads. And my wife said, okay, that's enough. So ironically, I was like, okay, I gotta find him a teacher. And Caleb, this will be interesting to you. Right down the street uh, at Grove City High School, Corey Dorn was teaching private private lessons. And I knew Corey from when he was in Glassman and, and I was around that program. And um, so I called Corey and I'm like, dude, you want to teach my son? He's like, heck yeah, I do. Like, let's do this. So Corey actually deserves all the credit for like encouraging my son Max and, and and getting him super excited about playing percussion. But the thing that's interesting is when he entered in at Grove City High School as a freshman, the counselor tried to talk him out of doing band. And he came home and he was like kind of upset he's like man the counselor said i shouldn't do band because i just started and the band's really good here and maybe i shouldn't worry about it it's going to be too hard i need to focus on my studies i'm like the heck with that so like <laughs> i go down to the i go down to the school and i'm like dude wait a minute like i'm i am i am a lecture professor at ohio state i teach the marching band you know like like please don't tell my son or any kid that they shouldn't do band. Like this is, an, this, to a lot of kids, this is an escape. So I really think it starts earlier than that, Casey. Like, you know, these counselors trying to tell kids that, and the same thing happens in college. I get kids all the time that the, 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 the advisors at the university, you know, realm is telling these incoming freshmen, Oh man, the marching band at Ohio state is really good. And it takes up a lot of your time. I would not do it your first year. And then if you want to do it the second year and I always get on the phone to like parents and kids and say, no, don't do it. Because if you, if you don't do it, you're never going to do it again. You know? So just trying to, you know, keep, keep that type of process open just like you would for a psychology class or anything else is just as important to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, speaking of, I mean, like, like, the, I don't know, you you know, so many music majors that are out there and like maybe some should be, maybe some shouldn't, just in that same topic, it seems like we have pretty set career paths and one that isn't really included is the industry path. And I think very much like the story you just described and other folks from the industry we've had on the show over the years. Like they always have a story where they kind of slid into their spot, you know, at at Firth or or IP or or wherever. We've had a lot of people on. So, but I I wonder, like, is there any advice for students that, are like, hey, like, let's include this as one of the career paths. Okay, you got your performance career path, you got your education, you got your industry career path. Let's make this this like the the product industry part of that career path you know is there a job board at sabian is there a uh, we're hiring the following positions at vic firth like is there a place where students can maybe really say like yeah i would like to travel around go to midwest go to PASIC, show up when um you know uh at at the at the um at the, at the dream theater show and like you know be the gear consultant for the the musicians like you know is is there any advice you have for like hey anyone who wants to like actively pursue that
2: yeah i mean <laughs> i think there's a couple different paths um i know there are some wonderful programs that have recently started at universities bob bridehop at Capital um started one because of his you know own you know he used to be partial partial owner of the columbus percussion drum store him and jim <clears> Robb <throat> and bob started a um, uh, a degree path program, um, at, uh, at Capital university that you can get like a, a music industry degree. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool. There are a lot of universities that are doing things. Um, one of the things that I'm passionate about because of my, my path, you know, in, in the industry, um, is when I got to Sabian, um, I actually started on March 9th of 2020 like four days before the country shut down, you know, and, you know, it was a big, it was a big decision for me to leave because I was working for reading music and I, I absolutely loved my job there. You know, I did sales and marketing and a bunch of stuff and, and, and it was, it was comfortable, you know, and, um and, and I'll tell you real quick how that came about um, Bob Breidhop again, interbob, Bob calls me in December and says of night of 2019 and says, you know, uh, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about going back to the percussion industry? And I said, yeah, I have, but I want to wait till my youngest graduates, um, high school before I have to think about moving or traveling a lot. And he said, he said, well, I want you to have a conversation with Andy Zildjian. And I was like, Sabian. And he goes, yeah. And I go, oh my gosh. Like I've been, I've used Sabian since 1987 when I bought my first ride symbol and all the high schools I've taught, everything is used Sabian. So I'm, I love the product. Um, very passionate about it. So I had a conversation with Andy Zildjian and he said, um, Hey, w- w- what are your thoughts on this? Like you've played our product for a long time. Uh, we're looking to kind of take the education department in a new direction. Like what are your thoughts and, and how can this work? So the rest became, you know, pretty, pretty easy to talk through. Um, so when I started on March 9th and COVID happened, I kind of started thinking through like, okay, I've got an opportunity to step back and think about how we've done things to this point. And I stepped back and looked at how we were treating our artists, Um, you know, the groups that we had involved, um, the university programs that we had involved. Did we have an industry program? Did we have an internship program? Something like that. Um, And what came out of that is, you know, we've started a, a somewhat of a small internship program. So whenever we do, like when we go to PASIC, um, I'll reach out to some of our artists and I'll say, hey, you know, do you have seven or eight, you know, seven or eight kids that that would be great at like helping us at PASIC? You know, we're going to teach them how to set up the booth. They're going to do some grunt work, too. um, But, you know, we'll get them in the show. We'll we'll let them hang out at the booth, meet some artists, kind of understand like how the back of this works. Um, I have Zoom meetings before that happens to kind of talk them through the product and what they're going to see and it's not, you know, we're going to be unloading trucks and, you know, that's part of it, you know, like everybody walks through PASIC and and sees us in our booths, you know, from whatever company you're at and you're shaking hands and, you know, everybody's happy, but nobody sees the day before that you're like sweating and your back hurts and your knee hurts because it takes, you know, 12 hours to set your booth up and, you know, stuff like that. So, that has been really great to like, you know, we had some, some wonderful students from Mississippi State, Jason Baker's program um, helped us out last year in Capital University. And then when I was in Texas for Team EA, um, Brian West, just such a, just such a blessing uh, of, a, of an artist for us, um, said, I've got two kids that would be fantastic. And they were absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, one of them, she is a music performance major and a marketing major. So she doesn't want to necessarily play her whole life. She doesn't necessarily want to be a teacher, but she loves the, the industry side of it. So she's decided to get like, like a, a, a minor in business. So, you know, my suggestion is always, because I get this question all the time from, you know, whether it's artists that are teaching at a, at a high school, like just doing percussion, maybe not like a full-fledged, you know, band director yet, um, has said, well, man, I want to do what you do. know how, how how do you do this and i always tell people if you're interested in the music industry go work retail at a music store i don't care if it's music and arts i don't care if it's steve weiss music or lone star or percussion source or any of that go go make yourself known because so many of those music stores want to find musicians that can help you know, their, their, their community. And a lot of the times it's music stores that are putting the ads and papers going help wanted, we'll teach you, we'll train you. But a lot of times you get like, you know, well, I played bass, you know, when I was in sixth grade, you know, well, that doesn't mean that they know a whole lot about the music industry. So I always encourage students to like, you know, even kids that are in college that don't know what they want to do yet, go work at a music store and understand like the ins and outs like, okay, how, how do we price things? You know, how do you just, what's 30% off? You know, like that's, that's things that, that people don't know. And what really helped me is when I was at Columbus Percussion, I got in with all of those industry people that worked at Pearl and Promark and IP and, you know, all those companies, because I'm calling them going, Hey, I've got a customer that really wants to try the new, you know, IP 240, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, how fast can you get that to me? And they start seeing you hustling. And they start seeing you try to help them out. Then all of a sudden, when a job comes open, then they're like, hey, if, if you're interested or you know anybody that's interested, I think we're gonna hire for, you know, like a product manager position. And that's where I started on the bottom rung, just, you know, dealing with products. So I always tell people if you can start selling in a retail establishment, like it really opens up doors because industry people like myself walk in your stores all the time and say hello and check out the product that you have and you meet people. Some of the greatest people I've met and some of the people that are in the back of my head, like, hey, when we're ready to take another step and hire somebody else, like I'm going to call one of these two people that I met at a store in Alabama, you know, Um, just because, you know, a lot of it is passion and a lot of it is how you relate to other people. And, you know, you can teach music, you know, sometimes you can't teach that skill to like be able to converse with people and speak on every level, you know.
0: Good answer. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah for sure. We, we did that in my upper division juries yesterday. We had a couple and all the faculty were pretty impressed by the ones that were going up. They didn't just play. We like, who, who was Jacques De La Clouse? And they had to like, you know, talk shop and like talk about what was going on. And I don't know. We've just practiced like talking and like, you know, articulating yourselves. And um, it goes a long way.
2: Um, you know, the, the other thing I'll encourage, you know, you, you both are teaching at wonderful programs in the collegiate world. But one of the things I will say is um, I've been very fortunate to have some artists reach out to me and say, hey, we're going to do a, a Zoom class in about four weeks. And I would really love for you to kind of just talk about the industry, like careers, you know, in the industry. Um I think sometimes we get so busy in our everyday studio life where we're like, you know, we, we gotta learn this, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. Um, but we don't think about like maybe the kid that, you know, or the student that's over there in the corner that's doing a pretty good job is like a little dejected a little bit and thinking, maybe I, maybe I'm not gonna audition. Maybe I don't want to learn Romeo and Juliet, you know, maybe I don't want to do all this. So I think, For for college professors, especially percussion studio professors to open up a little bit and and take one class period to talk about careers in the music industry, um, I think is really strong and being able to bring somebody in like, whether it's myself or whether it's somebody from, you know, innovative percussion, Eric Johnson is great at, you know, talking through those things. George Barrett at IP is wonderful at that. Um, Anybody from Pearl or Yamaha just to get them on and give them that you know advice on like hey if this isn't working out like these are some of the paths that you can take Um, because sometimes kids don't know that that opportunity is even there like they don't know the first step to take.
0: Yeah hey kind of on the topic of uh, the youngsters we'll just say the youngsters um, students and whatnot can you kind of talk about there's always I remember being in senior in high school playing a lot of drum set rock gigs here and there and thinking like oh man I gotta get sponsored I really want to get a deal with blah 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 or whatever um of course that's not how it works but can just for anyone listening that might be you know on the up and up coming on their career path can you talk a little bit about how one becomes an educator or an artist like with Sabian for example and You know, what do you look for when you're approaching someone or when someone submits that form that's like, hey, here's what I think and I'd like to be involved with this company?
2: Sure. Um, You know, that's that's a great question. And that's something, um, you know, we just launched um, our own social media site called Sabian Education, Um, the Sabian official site has you know six, seven hundred thousand followers. And it's great and it's wonderful. A lot of drum set, you know, followers and you know, when I got to Sabian, I was like, you know, we need to do more, you know, we need to do more for education um, and I'm not going to change how passionate I am about it. So we've got we've got to go into into this hit deep. So we started the Sabian education page. I think we we launched it, turned the lights on in December sometime um, and just trying to get things moving. And one of the things that I talked to some of the artists about, like Tom Burrett and and Mark Ford and, and Scott Herring was starting a like a mentorship program and not necessarily like a mentorship program because there's so many moving pieces like you know flying in to meet people and and people coming to you and stuff but just being able to provide that information through our social media um you know and we were talking about ideas and topics for that mentorship part of it and it was actually scott herring who was like i got one and i said yeah what's that And he goes i want to do a topic on all these you know, wonderful kids that are great players that come through the university programs to go, hey, I want a stick deal. I want to get my own mallets. You know, how do I how do I do that? Like, when's the next step? I can play, you know, I can play rotations. I can play, you know, all this stuff now. Like, I want to get a stick deal. So we've actually talked about making that a, a, a subject in the mentorship program that, that Scott is going to talk about. But, you know, the biggest thing is humility. Um, you know, when, when, when I have, a, a you know, artist like we're so blessed, you know, we, we have wonderful product. Um, and, you know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of momentum right now for Sabian, you know, and it, and it all started when we brought Caleb Pickering on board.
0: Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's <laughs> really when the whole company turned stocks, stocks just went up. <laughs> Yeah, you think Elon Musk is doing things.
2: <laughs> oh, dude, it's not even close. Like, as soon as I launched that on, on the social media, um, I, I mean, it went crazy. Like people from drove started coming in and going, All right, wait, now, you know, forget about Mark Ford. Forget about Tom Burt Like if Caleb's on board, like I got to be a part of this, you know, um, <laughs> but all joking yep. aside, you know, there's you know, we have some amazing artists and, and it has led a lot of other you know people to you know professionals to call and say hey what do i what do i got to do to be a part of this you know and the first thing i do is say let's set up a zoom connect you know let's talk in person um you know because having humility is is something that i think is super um is super important to all companies you know not just saving not just you know ip or pearl or yamaha but having that humility and being able to to say, what can I do to help your company? Um, and that was that, that's actually a quote from, from Scott. He said, you know I always tell my students, you know well, well, wait a minute, forget about you having your own stick or getting free mallets or you know getting a discount on X, Y, and Z. What can you bring to that company? And I think that's a really important kind of kind of thought process to, to go through is think about like, you know you're, you're 26, 27 years old, you've done a lot of things um you know what can i bring to that company and that's what i want to find out you know what i mean like i think we have great products and you know and i and i think we have wonderful artists and i want to create a community of artists around us that can support each other um and a community of artists that that care about paying it forward you know um not once has any of our artists when i said hey let's let's think about like what we can do to to, like help kids like i'm on this huge like passion, you know, driven, you know, point right now to, to provide mental health through percussion education. Um, you know, and and I've been talking to some artists about like what what would that look like and and not once has anybody said, you know, well, hey, you know, you're gonna throw a clinic fee my way or you're gonna do this or you're gonna do that. It's always like, oh, I love this. All right, all right let, let's think about how we can approach this and let's think about some topics that we can talk about mental health and how to balance your practice life and your personal life in college and you know, stuff like that. So I think, you know, first and foremost, having humility. Um, the second thing is having great references. Um, you I mean, you guys didn't get to where you were, you know, being jerks, you know, and, and not being great people, you know, when you were you know, coming up, and you know, I know Brian Zader loves you, Caleb. So, you know, I know if Brian thought that you were a jerk, uh, there's no way you'd be where you're at because that's who's going to give you your recommendation. You know, and I don't care whether it's for a college job or whether it's for the local music store. Um, if you're not, if you're not humble and you're and and you're not passionate about what you're doing, somebody's going to tell somebody, "Hey, look on the down low." You know, I've had to do it from time to time. You know look i gotta be honest you know i i really don't think that is going to be a great fit you know um but i will tell you somebody that i think will be a great fit and somebody that has just never let me down and it's this guy you know so i think i think the biggest thing is humility and the second thing is just having those references which i call your body of work you know i tell my sons all the time like you know every single day you have to you have to prove to somebody that you're worthy of their friendship you have to show them that you're worthy of their trust, um, and the people that don't do that every day usually don't make it into a lot of things. But those two things are important. And then, honestly, notice that I'm saying third is how good of a musician are you? You know, because there's a lot of great musicians around there. You know, um, you know, I have some friends that are trying to get college jobs now that have PhDs and have wonderful, um, you know, pedigree growing up and, and everything. And it is so hard to get that college professor job that you guys have. Um, and, and it's it's that coveted thing. And, you know, when when people get to that point, it's it's kind of like you have to step back and go, wow. I, you know, have I done everything I could do to lead myself to to where I'm at today? So, um, you know, there's a lot of great players out there. You know, Casey and Caleb, you both are amazing players. But I'm sure that if I asked you right now and put you on the spot and say, name two people, name three people that are better than you, you know, at playing marimba, I guarantee you could rattle off one, two, three, right?
0: Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just him and I at the mountaintop fighting Highland style. <laughs> it's, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, right. of
1: course. I it's love funny. it. It's, it's, I love it. it. It's funny you said be nice because I think I got Caleb to where he is by being mean to him. That's what's interesting.
0: Yeah, I passed that. I on did see students. that.
1: It's what's yeah. weird. It's, it's but you're right. It's just and that made him a nice guy, me being mean to him. <laughs> it's it, I think it's so tricky. And and Caleb's question, I, I think it's something. Yeah, young percussionists are asking all the time because they they want whatever job, or they want their career to move forward, they want to get gigs with you know the concerto gig with the symphony or whatever they're like well i need money to get a concerto gig i need support so i need a sponsorship so how do i get a sponsorship and then they look into getting a sponsorship and the sponsorship is like well we're not gonna be interested in you unless you're getting concerto gigs and they're like well i can't get concerto gigs unless i have a sponsorship and i can't get <laughs> and it's like this circular circular frustration but I, I really like your answer and i agree with it a hundred percent it's like well you gotta be really um you, you gotta be really talented you gotta be really good and I think part of becoming really talented and good is being involved and if you've studied with certain people uh, you know whether it was like at their school or not you still have connections and you have a community and that builds your resources and not just like your name references not just your phone number references but your 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 body of work and I just I, I just I push it so much like you have to have a body of work for people to see. And um, if you're working anyway and you're making music, great, like record it and get it up there. And I think there's this misconception out there that like, well, the, the, the YouTube is so saturated and there's so much up there. What's the point of putting my own up there? But it's it's one of those tip of the iceberg situations. It's Like, yeah, it looks like there's a lot, but there's actually so many more people who just aren't doing it. Like most people are not doing it and you need to do it. Like You just need to do it for every. For, for the 10,000 you've seen, there's a, there's half a million that aren't doing it. So if you're part of that 10,000, you're actually like way ahead.
2: Yeah. And I, th- I think you're right, Casey. In and in a couple things is is that that can apply to the industry side things too. Like take a chance, go outside of your comfort zone and do things that you wouldn't do. You know, so many times I see, you know, young players that I know are good. Like I've seen them in the concerto contest and um you know we sponsored a thing last year at PASIC where we gave away like three pairs four pairs of hand symbols to the to the finalists and there was one kid that I won't say kid one student that actually sent an email back and and it was just so kind and was like Mr. Reynolds, thank you so much for sponsoring this and this means the world to me and to, to have a pair of symbols like this and I'm getting ready to go do auditions And, you know, this is so awesome. And if you ever need anything from me, if I can make a video for you, I mean, I was almost in tears. I was like, this dude gets it, you know, and to me, that, that means a lot. You know, that kid went out on a limb to do something, to introduce himself to somebody. And I saved that email. I'm going to have it. And if something ever comes up and I want a video, darn it, I'm going to call him (laughs) and see if he'll do it. But so many times these kids find themselves like walking around PASIC. And checking stuff out and playing Porgy and Bess on every xylophone they could find, and you know stuff like that. But they don't walk up to somebody that's working there and say, "Hey, what do you do?" Like, "Hey, I'm I'm so and so, and I go to I go to wherever." And um, mm-hmm. you know, Corey Dorn is a good example of that. You know, when he was looking at where he wanted to go to college, you know, for his uh, grad work, um, he was looking at I can't remember the schools, but he was looking at big schools, Texas and you know UNT and a bunch of other places, and it just so happened. Corey walked in and he goes, hey, do you have any ideas? And I looked over and Brian Zader was standing in the corner of our booth when I was at Dynasty. And I said, man, you would be a, such a great fit for Brian. Your, your personalities are the same. Brian came over, they met, they had coffee. And, you know, Corey now just just left there and is going to do his PhD work at uh, Michigan State. But Corey went out on a limb and asked that question. And, and so many, I think so many students don't go out on that limb and, and don't put themselves out there to, to make those industry connections. Um, because again, like it is what it is, like you're nice to, you're nice to, to me, I'm going to be nice back and I'm going to remember that. And the next time I do need something, you know, or I see you're making a lot of videos, like, trust me, I spend two hours at least in the morning when I'm having coffee, checking out Instagram, people's Facebook, like, you know, not headhunting anybody, but just seeing what's out there. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. Like how many great performers, how many high school kids that are freshmen in high school in Texas that are playing what I played on my senior recital in Ohio state. Like it's, it's crazy the level jump that has happened. Um, So you kind of get lost in what's going to separate you from somebody else, whether it's, you know, an industry gig or a collegiate gig or whatever, it's going to be your personality. It's going to be your wherewithal to like go outside of your comfort zone and you know I tell my my students all the time like you know sometimes you got to do stuff for free you know I can't tell you how many books I wrote for free and then never you know was able to do anything so um I think just taking a chance and and, and getting out there I think is gonna be a big thing
0: hey we we talked about ed a lot or education a lot but yeah. kind of something I think a lot of people don't know the Funny enough, we—he just mentioned Zildjian. I remember seeing a, a Zildjian how it's made style video. Wait, like I mean, probably 2004 or five, like way, way yeah. back. But could you kind of walk us through what the R and D looks like for Sabian? Like when you're—you mentioned the Overture series. Like from, I mean, I don't know how early you want to start from getting the ore out of the ground, but you know, what does it? What does it look like from? making the symbol to testing it to getting it into people's hands?
2: Well, I tell you, the easiest answer is, I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, Because (laughs) I started I started on March 9th of 2020. And four days later, the country shut down, I was supposed to fly to Canada to go up to the factory to spend a couple weeks there to go through that whole process with them. um, And never had an opportunity to go up there and still haven't been up there. I think I'm gonna go up there in June. Um, so I'm excited to go up there. So it's been a little odd for me rather than, you know, I have a production background, you know, being, you know, at dynasty when we built drums from the ground up and, and keyboards and also at Promark, I was the product manager there. So figuring out lathes and schedules and, and how this was going to happen and how we make a drumstick and the taper, like what it does to, to the taper and to the, and to the feel of the stick, I've had to learn a lot through video. Um, you know, Mark Love down at the factory is honestly one of the, the, the brightest, most amazing ears I've ever talked to musician-wise in my career. Um, he just has such a great grasp, and he's been doing it for, you know, Sabian is 40 years old this year, um, and he was there from day one. You know, he tells the story that he used to, I think it was a dairy farm when Sabian first started and Robert Zildjian started the company, which was the Zildjian factory. Um, and that's where they kind of they made the high end stuff like the hand, the, the K-Cons and stuff. Um, Robert Zildjian took over that factory and then started Sabian. And Mark Love, I there wasn't enough business at the beginning. So Mark Love, I think, was working on a dairy farm in the morning. And then in the afternoon, he would come to Sabian or wow. vice versa. Um, <clears throat> and he just learned like he had a great year and he just learned like okay what does this do so caleb you can imagine over 40 years of experimenting like you just learn on the job like hey what is what if we do a deeper groove lathe or what if we do a a finer like pinpoint lathe what does that do to the sound and it just boggles my mind the amount of time that that you know he has spent taking you know eight different symbols the same exact, you know, mold, the same bow, the same bell size, everything. And then going, okay, what's one more thing I could do different that will change the sound of this. And he's just learned that over 40 years. So, um, it's going to be a long time before I know what he knows, but, um, you know, what we've been doing is it really just starts with the idea, you know, whether it's somebody, you know, one of us that's on the marketing team, and our RD team start talking about like, hey, this is something that maybe we could put um, in, you know, maybe this is something that has a place in the world, whether it's Siri was trying to tell yeah. me what to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that it, it, it's, it's really interesting because sometimes we have these brain trust sessions where we, you know, I'll say, you know what we could really use in the, in the, you know, the, um, the world of marching percussion is this effect, or, you know, what we could really use, I was talking to Chris Deviney and, you know, we really should have, you know, something that is a little darker, maybe 22 inches, you know, or something like that. So it kind of starts, you know, with that. And then we kind of think, okay, who can we hitch our wagon to basically? Like who do we trust as an artist that's, that's going to be able to help us take that next step and, and, and trust it? Because, I've got a lot of experience, but I don't play like you, you know, I I, I don't have, you know, the ability, um, you know, to play something that, that Tom Burrett would play or Mark Ford or whatever. And you guys are doing it in the trenches every single day. Um, if you need help with spreadsheets, you know, or something like that, I can help you with that one. <laughs> um, but, but you guys are doing it every single day. So I really feel strongly about like we have to involve a lot of artists, you know, so... When Paul came on board and he said, I want to solve a few problems in the marching world in terms of hand symbols. And that got me excited. I was like, okay, I love solving problems. So what do we we need to do? And he said, he said, we, you know, and for a long time, we've been using symbols that, that I feel like lack attack, um, don't have enough sustain. I want a symbol that is going to be very, um, dark. Um, I want a symbol that is going to be beautiful looking. That's going to be hand hammered. I want a symbol that is going to sustain and ring longer than any other symbol on the field because, you know, resonance, you know, helps, you know, get the sound up there in the box where we want it. Um, and he said, and and I just want it to be, you know, easy to play. And he said, I know that's a tall order. Um, and he said, but let's start on this path. Well, because it was COVID. If we could have went to the factory, it would have been done a lot quicker, but it, it basically started with Paul and I and Mark Love on a, on a Zoom call and me letting Paul tell Mark in his own words because Mark is so good at listening. I, I, I've been on calls where drum set artists are telling Mark, like, you know, I need I need about this wash and I need, you know, this stick definition. And Mark's like, oh, I got it. And then two weeks later, we got a symbol and they're like, yeah, that's it. So. Mm-hmm. Paul started talking about, like, some of the characteristics that he wanted and how that was going to re- relay on the field and why it would be different than any other product out there on the market. Um, so Mark went to the drawing board and we, he played some things on video, which was a little crazy, you know, to hear crash symbols on video. We were trying to figure out, like, wait, it's cutting out on Zoom. And then we had to go to just, you know, doing things on YouTube. Um, and sending us those channels and stuff like that. And then when Paul thought that we were close, then we just put a couple pair in and shipped them to him at UNT. Um, And then he started getting some kids to play them. And then a couple weeks later, Paul would call and say, okay, I've had a chance to play them. We need, Paul is just so intelligent um, when it comes to his musical ear. And, you know, he'll say, I know this sounds crazy, but we need, you know, we need 27% more ring and about 10 percent, a little more overtones and mark's like okay cool so he takes some notes two weeks later mark would make up another couple pairs and ship them out we did this for probably 14 months back and forth just making sure and the one thing i remember from working with paul at dynasty who designed those drums um for us at that time uh, paul was rarely ever happy you know and <laughs> and i love and i love that about him because you know he's always he's he's always listening and going yeah but what if you know there's always one more step and and i admit sometimes i would get frustrated and go no it sounds so good but that's why he's paul renick and i'm working you know behind a desk at sabian you know because he he has that discernible ear and mark love kept saying we're not going to give up we're going to keep going and so it took us about 14 months um and brought him out at at PASIC and you know caleb i was telling you before we started yeah i took a bunch of symbols down to tom burritt um to to check out and he was listening to a bunch of stuff and and they didn't even have a name on them yet and tom picked them up and started playing them and he was like whoa what are these and i said well it's actually a new marching symbol that santa clara Vanguard's going to be playing you know next year and he's like wait a minute this is a marching symbol And I was like, yeah, And he's like, man, I'll take a couple of these in the wind ensemble like these sound really beautiful and um, and they look amazing. And so I was actually thinking about like talking to the marketing team about calling them like gridiron, you know, something that would a name that would relate to the football field. And, you know, Santa Clara, Mm -hmm. the most iconic symbol line in in the world is going to be playing these. And um, after that, I went back and I said, you know what, we should we should come up with another name. We shouldn't pigeonhole ourselves. Into just calling it this, so then I started talking to more artists. And Caleb, I think we had a conversation about like a true hybrid symbol. You know, one of the yeah, things right. that we wanted to one of the things we wanted to solve was there's so many high school directors out there that yeah, it'd be great to have six pair of these beautiful marching symbols on the field, and then be able to buy a pair of French, a pair of Viennese, some Germanics, and you know, but that's not in high school budgets. So I get a lot of educators that call me and say, look, I I get it. But tell me what's going to work for everything. Like, I know you're going to think I'm crazy for taking them outside and inside. And I'm not I don't think you're crazy at all. Like you're doing what your program needs. So I started talking to Paul about that more. And we were like, this could really be one of the first, I think, true hybrid symbols um, that, that a company has come up with that sounds beautiful indoors looks gorgeous on a stage with all the immense hand hammering that happens um with it and all the dark and rich overtones that are in that symbol but yet it reigns longer than any other symbol it projects and paul loves the attack of it so it's got an amazing attack and you just got some at your school so i'm curious to see how you like those on the stage as well Um, but that's kind of how that process worked um, we've also came up with a, a new pair with a, a new pair last year of the HHX Espressivos,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which sometimes Caleb a lot of things come from another design that we have. Um, we launched a couple of years ago uh, a, a wonderful drum set, you um, know, line called the HHX Complex, yeah. which you know is three different hammer pings, and people are going crazy over it, you know, and and it's just it, we can't keep it on the shelf. It's going great and i was at tmea in 2020 right before everything shut down and in the sabian booth and i was playing some things and i called mark love and i said wait a minute these complex could make a really great like orchestral symbol and he's like really i said yeah and he said all right let's try it and i'm not kidding you like three weeks later he sent me a 17 inch and a 19 inch suspended symbol and a pair of 18 19 and 20 inch hand symbols and i love the fact that like he's not afraid to try something, you know? And so now we have the HHX complex suspended 17 and 19s, and then the 18, 19, and 20 as which came from the complex line. And we're mm-hmm. always trying something, whether it's, you know, put holes in things or, or different, you know, we have some really cool prototypes right now. Um, maybe I should send those down to you and let you check them out. There's oh, some I really cool it. prototypes yeah. that are, it's pretty thin. They're like 20, 22 inches. Um, with like a square ping hammer and it is it it just the overtones are just absolutely gorgeous and they speak really well um so we're working on stuff like that we're working on some stuff um some more stuff with paul um that he wants to call the tsunami um so i'm kind of letting a little bit a little bit out there but uh santa clara this year is going to have um two or three of these effect symbols that are basically looking to to possibly take the place of a, of a gong on the field, because we all, we all know that like, (laughs) you know, gongs are pretty wieldy to get around the field. You got to find a space on the truck. You know, most programs are using two of them and, you know, Paul came to me and he said, you know, look, every time I write for a high school group or Santa Clara and I want a gong hit, he said, I got to pull Susie off the vibe for, Mm -hmm. you know, 24, 32 counts. She's got to warm up the gong. I got to trust that she's going to hit it just a little bit ahead, you know, so that the sound hits the audience at the same time. And he said, and then I'm gonna lose her again, getting back to the instrument and getting her mallet out and ready to go. What if we had a solution for that? And then we started talking about all the sound design that's happening in WGI and DCI and in high school. Like there's so many sound, like people are making a great living just being sound design people from, yeah. for the pageantry arts. And so Paul says, you know, if I tell, you know, somebody that I want like an explosion or a low drone on count one, they'll do it like I I can simulate like that, that white noise feeling. He said, what I want is I want to be able to come off of the keyboard off of a lick at the end of a phrase and three kids, you know, hit that symbol and we get that gong type sound. But we also have it backed up like most other groups do with, with sound design. So. Um, he, he, he's gonna have gongs this year, uh, but um, it is a really unique concept. So it's something we're, we're toying around with 22 or 24 inch. Imagine like a wind gong that's thin, that's crazy hammered um, and has rivets in it and a low profile bell. And when you hit it, like just hit it with your hand and it's like, psh- you know it just sounds really really cool so we've got a lot of great things that that we're excited about trying on the R and D side and that is one of the mark's favorite thing down in the factory is that's what he's done for all these years he just sits there and he's got a little toy shop he calls it and he just does his thing and just tries different things and rivets and and holes and, and stuff like that but a lot of it comes from the idea from the artist you know that that, that calls us and says I love this, but what if you made this a little washier, or what if this had a little more stick definition, or what if this had a bigger bell, and then we, then we make it, you know, so um, there's a lot of interaction back and forth, but like I said, when you're in the factory, it can happen a lot quicker, it just happened a little slower with Paul.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy, yeah, we have the Overtures, we use them in our wind ensemble, uh, and they're great. Uh, we used a 20 for a, a gooseneck sus- uh, suspended, and then we had the 18 and 19. No kidding. And yeah, works out nice. Uh, but yeah, we have those. And I think the only symbols we have that sound better are the artisans you sent us, the, yeah. those awesome crashes. But yeah, we'll use those overtures in the marching band next fall, and um, they're great. Yeah, they're that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good, those are good plates. Um, hey, before we kind of start to wrap, we sure. mentioned some stuff on the horizon, but um, specifically with Sabian Education, are there any goals, projects, or anything coming up with, um, that anyone's working on or will be coming out in the next, you know, six months to a year or so?
2: Yeah, we've got, um, you know, like, like, I, like I said earlier, um, we just launched our, our, our own Sabian Education podcast or podcast, saving education, social media channels. And part of that came from trying to provide, trying to provide a resource for music educators that aren't percussionists. Um, so we got a lot of exciting projects right now that we're working on <clears throat> in terms of, you know, um, some percussion method stuff um, that you'll start seeing come up here in the next six months that we're getting ready to start videoing for. Haley yeah, mentioned um, and
0: some of that when we spoke to her yeah. recently.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's, uh, oh gosh, I love her. She's awesome, we're so lucky to have her. Like she's she's wonderful. So yeah, she's gonna do, um, you know, I, I sent her one of the um, Quiet Tone Pads and she was like, this thing rocks, like it feels great. And you did some videos for us on the Quiet Tone Pad.
0: Yeah, I have um, another one I'm working on. <laughs> I Haven't told you about that, yeah. but it's coming.
2: <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. Well, I, I, you know, I think those those types of projects, uh, I'm really excited about You know, getting those out into the world, um, just easy things. You know, when I was down uh, at UNT a little while ago, um, we got on the stage and I set up the cameras and I got Mark Ford and he looks so good in his, in his suit and you know and everything. And he goes, OK, what am I what am I talking about? And I gave him a pair of symbols and I said, I want you to pretend like you're going to teach a sixth grader how to crash symbols. And he looked at me and he's like, what? And I go. I go, come on, like, what if you were teaching a sixth grader right now? And he's like, all right, hold on. And he thought about it and he goes, okay, I'm ready. And he knocked it out of the park, like just, you know, nice. just the way he he spoke. And, and um, so that's what I'm really kind of passionate about is, is, is trying to find a way that we can provide resources to music educators that aren't percussionists. Um, we're always working on new stuff, um, which I, I talked about. Um, so if anybody has any ideas, send, send an email. You can send it to education at sabian.com. I get those. Um, so you can send it to me if you have any ideas like, hey, it'd be great if we had a symbol that did this or did that. Like, That's where the ideas come from. So that would be awesome. Um, we have a new website that's going to launch, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, next month. Um, brand new from the from the bottom up. It's going to be wonderful. There's going to be a lot of educational resources um, that are going to be on the website that you can click through to to see artists and <clears throat> videos that artists are tied to and stuff like that, which is going to be awesome. Um, we also have um, some opportunities to kind of provoke resources for educators. Um, you know, like we talked about a little bit like a mentorship program and and resources like that that I'm pretty excited about. Um, we have some new groups that are on board now. Obviously, I'm so excited that like SEV is finally coming out now because of all the COVID stuff is, is kind of through. Um, you know, SEV coming out for the first year with Sabian is going to be so special. Um, <clears throat> Santa Clara Vanguard Cadets, um, they got a whole bunch of stuff uh, yesterday, actually. Um, so they're going to be putting all that stuff. And I'm really excited about that staff and what they're doing. Um, you know, we just had a wonderful WGI, um, you know, uh, Rhythm X was second. Broken city was third, um, an independent world, which is great for people to hear. Two completely different programs and two completely different approaches to music <clears throat> in their own right play with so many different safety and sounds. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that I, that I think is, is great. That, you know, we don't have just two or three suspended symbols. We have like six different models of suspended symbols in three or four or five different sizes, you know? So it's important to us and it's an, it's important to me from the sales side to make sure that we provide the sound and a price range for every educator, you know, like, you know, we should be able to, you know, as manufacturers, we shouldn't just have a great sounding symbol that costs, you know, $700, like in the artisan range. We should have a symbol that is a B20 bronze that sounds amazing. that has some great overtones that maybe doesn't have all the hand hammering and lathing that costs $200, you know? Um, So trying trying to make sure that we're meeting the needs of the market, I think is going to be really exciting, but I'm super excited about, I know it sounds crazy, but like, I love PASIC. Even though it's a ton of work. I mean, it's just a ton of work, but I just, you know, on our side, it's, it's crazy. All the, all the preparing. And cause I also do all the, all the management of that. Like I'm the one who makes sure that the booth happens and, you know, do all that other stuff. And it's, it's a lot of pressure to make sure that you get it right. But on that Thursday morning, it's like, it's, it's awesome. And I just can't wait to get back there. Midwest was awesome this year. Um, You know, so I'm really excited about that. And, and I'm really excited to, see what our artists are doing you know i'm excited about a video that you have that that's going on tom Burt sent me a a, a picture last night and he said hey you gotta check this out look look at what i'm doing with the Kinspari. and this composer wrote for six symbols and he's like it's crazy but it's really cool and he had them like hanging with marimba cord from a stand so they were like just three tiers of symbols and you know just stuff like that like i'm a i'm a geek when it comes to like product and what kind yep. of stacks people come up with and you know stuff like that so i i just get jazzed just to you know hear from artists about like hey this is what we did with the product and you know uh, you know stuff like that so i'm i'm just super grateful and blessed and um you know i've been listening to your podcast for a couple of years now and uh it's pretty awesome what you're doing for the community out there you know and um we're so grateful to have you on board and you know, it's, it's great to have Casey, even though he likes, you know, another company so much, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he's gotta, he's gotta put the dig in by putting the backdrop on, but, uh, but, (laughs) but, you know, like, it's really cool that you guys have, have, like, you have enough stuff going on. Like he had to go to put his, you know, kids to bed, you know, for crying out loud, you know, and you guys are talking to me at like, you know, 920 at night to try to provide some sort of resource you know for one person that might get something from this so thank you so much for what you guys are doing for percussion education and the community
0: oh yeah yeah thank you and thanks yeah thanks for hanging out with us um we had the small cast today normally it's a little bigger but it's that time of the semester where my last day was today we have graduation stuff tomorrow but um yeah i know everyone it's the perfect storm week, as I like to call it, where everything just lands, finals, performances, juries, the whole nine yards. But, yeah, thanks for hanging out. And, yeah, it was, it was great to chat with you. And for everyone else, we'll see you next time on episode 330 with Cassinia, talking about a little bit of job application.